0: When we're born, we are all born with these three basic emotional needs in our lives. We're born with this need to be loved, a need to belong, and a need to be brave. When I first came across that research data, I'll be honest with you, it gave me pause. I already knew and I believe firmly in the first two aspects that we have this need to be loved, to be loved deeply and to understand God's love and to be loved by others around us. I believe deeply, and I've spent most of my ministry years banking on that need to connect. I believe that we need to be deeply connected to people in our lives. We need that connection to survive in this world, and for our faith to survive in this world. What gave me pause was that third thought, that we have this emotional need to be brave. So I thought a lot about it. I puzzled on it. And I began to realize that throughout Scripture, God talks a lot about that emotional need. He's done it since the beginning of time. It's one of the most common commands in Scripture, in fact. Jesus said it to his disciples nearly two dozen times. He said, don't be afraid. He said it in a variety of circumstances. He said it in situations that were dangerous, even terrifying. He simply looked at these 12 men and said, Hey, do not be afraid. Now, I look at the number of times he had to say it to those 12 ordinary guys, and I find some solace in that. find comfort in knowing that Jesus didn't just say it to them once. They struggled to get over it. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody that doesn't struggle with fear. Maybe it's a fear about the future, a fear about relationships, a fear about experiencing pain or sadness or loss. Maybe it's a fear they're going to make the wrong decision in some situation they're facing. For some, it's a fear of being vulnerable, fear of hurting people I know some people who struggle with the fear every single day that they're just not going to be their best self large or small our fears eat away at us and at our faith in God we know it's true We know that we have this need for courage, this need to be brave, and what we also know is true is that we're going to need some help if we're going to ever get to that place in our lives. I think somewhere along the way, uh, some of us may have been convinced to settle for something less than what Jesus really wants to do in our lives. Because I believe that Jesus wants to do something extraordinary in our lives. You don't read the Gospels and find Jesus teaching very average, very common things that he wants to do. You don't read the Gospels and hear Jesus teaching that he just wants to make us better people when we follow him. He never said that. You don't read the Gospels and hear Jesus saying, Do the best you can hang on, you can do to hang on in this world. Just, I mean, just endure life here. And if you can just hang on and endure life here, then you'll go to heaven when you die. And he did talk about heaven, but it wasn't the point to just hang on and endure. And yes, following Jesus does make us better people. I know that I'm a better person following Jesus than I would be if I didn't follow Him. And yes, I know that if we follow Jesus, we'll go to heaven when we die. But I think what Jesus has in mind for us as we follow Him is so much more extraordinary, so much bigger, so much better than that. Jesus said, follow me. I think He planned something extraordinary for our lives. In Matthew 10, Jesus handpicks 12 men. He would call them his disciples, his inner circle, the ones he would entrust his message and his ministry to after he returned to heaven. And in that passage, he immediately, after choosing them, sits them down and gives them some very specific instructions about what's going to happen next. He says... You're now my disciples, and immediately I'm going to send you out. You're going to go out and teach the very same things that I've been teaching. You're going to do some of the very same things that I've been doing. I'm going to empower you to do them. And here's where you're going to go, and here's how long you're going to stay. Here's what you're going to pack to take with you, and here's how many changes of clothes you're going to take. I mean, he got that detailed in his instructions to them. And then he surprises them, I think, with a section that we're going to look at this morning. And in it, Jesus describes to his disciples one of the extraordinary things that God wanted to do in their lives and in ours. And it involves one of those three basic emotional needs we're born with. A need God is going to meet in our lives. Our need to be brave, to quit living in fear. Immediately after he selects the twelve, Jesus says to them, I'm going to send you out like sheep among wolves. If you ever wondered where that saying came from, it's right here in Matthew 10. Jesus says, I'm going to send you out like sheep among wolves, therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Kind of lets you know there's some trouble coming for these twelve right away, doesn't it? Sets the tone for everything else Jesus is going to say. He says, be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and will be flogged in the synagogue. Nice little rhyming there. And as cute as the rhyming sounds, whatever those guys were doing at that point, you know they might have been doodling in the sand with their toes. They might have been staring off at the crowd going, look, we're important. We're the 12 that were chosen out of the hundreds that were listening. We were the twelve. All of a sudden, Jesus says that, and he's got their attention. Because they don't expect that right now. Right now, Jesus and all of his close followers are very popular. Thousands of people follow Jesus everywhere he goes. Jesus is saying, this whole thing, it's about to change. You're going to be flogged in the synagogue. I just like saying it. Uh, and when you were flogged, people died from that. At the very least, if you managed to survive it, it left permanent scars on your body. I mean, we go to traffic court and we try to get tickets expunged from our records. It wasn't at all like that. You got flogged in the synagogue and you managed to survive? People could tell. Your shirt sleeves creep up just a little bit. They can see the scars. Go to the beach. Take your shirt off. They see the scars. They know you've been in trouble. You're marked for life. Jesus goes on and says, On my account, you're going to be brought before governors and kings to be witnesses to them And to the Gentiles, those people you've hated all your life, you're going to tell my story to them. And it happened. You read the book of Acts and you see where the disciples were hauled in front of political leaders and were put on trial. And their testimony gave them opportunity to tell the story of what Jesus said and what he did. And eventually, Jesus' story became known to all the nations, to all people, not just the Jews. And then check out what Jesus says next. He says, but when they arrest you. When? Well, hang on, hang on, Jesus. Don't you mean if? I mean, I've done enough teaching to know that if you've got a group of people, even like this morning, sitting around, you've got people in the room who are just going to go, well, you know, what you're saying doesn't apply to me. So you've got 12 guys sitting around Jesus talking to them. My guess is about four of them are going, well, maybe, you know. I mean, flogged in the synagogue probably applies to eight I'll be one of the four. You know, I'll have this nice, quiet, unnoticed ministry, maybe a little country church off the grid. You know, I'll influence people, but I'm not going to draw that attention. I won't be one of the ones that's beaten and arrested. And Jesus says, now, when they arrest you. Not if, when they arrest you. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't worry about how to say it. Because at that time, you're going to be given what to say. Because it's not going to be you speaking. It's going to be the Spirit of my Father speaking through you. The Bible doesn't tell us what the disciples were thinking at that point. We don't have any idea, but I have a clue what I would be thinking at that point. I've just been recruited by Jesus to be in the inner circle. And I'm thinking, if I'm arrested, I'm not going to want words to say. I'm going to want to get out of jail free card. That's the first thing I want to ask God for. I don't want to stand in front of kings and governors because they kill people in that era. They don't listen to a lot of arguments. They just go, you, just get rid of him. He's a trouble causer. I can feel the tension rising in these 12 men. And they're not like five minutes into their role and Jesus is teaching this hard stuff to them. Can you imagine what's going on in their head? I mean, Jesus starts to pick and in their hearts, they're going, I want this. I want to be one of the ones that Jesus pours his life into. They were excited when Jesus called their name. They could not have imagined the stuff he was about to say. So let me get this right, Jesus. I'm going to go out. I'm going to do all of this good stuff. People like us now, that's going to change. Not everybody's going to like us. Some of them are going to arrest us. Some of, us are, some of them are going to put us on trial And in the middle of all of that, God's involved, right? Okay. Our Heavenly Father is going to be so involved, He's going to give us the words to say. Cool. Got it. I understand. Question. If God's going to be that involved, is it possible that He could get us unarrested? Is it possible? Maybe. just, Just asking. Maybe. Could he, like, prevent that whole thing in the first place, be that involved on the front end instead of waiting until we're arrested? is it possible? I mean, I know you're telling me not to worry because God's involved, but that's not exactly how I'd like God to be involved. Ever been there with God? I know you're involved, but that's not how I want you to be involved. I want you like this, not this. I think that's how I would have felt. Jesus then spreads it out a little broader than the 12 to help them understand they're not being singled out. He says at that point brother's going to betray brother to death and father his child and children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. If you read church history, you find that happened. Being a Christian got ugly and dangerous really quick. All throughout the first century, family members betrayed other family members who were following Jesus. They turned them into the Roman government where they were beaten, tortured, and killed. And then Jesus summarizes. He says, you, the 12 of you, are going to be hated by everyone because of me. Jesus is saying, hang on, because the tide is eventually going to turn. People love me now. People are going to love you now. But, hang on. You Read the next few verses for yourself. But Jesus just basically is building the tension for them. He says, here are all the bad things that are going to happen to you. And then Jesus says to the twelve, and he says to us after building up all the bad things that are going to happen, he looks at them and he says, do not be afraid. What? Do not be afraid. Be afraid. Really? Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but can't kill the soul. Do not be afraid. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, wait a minute, Jesus. All this horrible stuff is going to happen. We go to trial. We get beaten within an inch of our lives. Everybody's turning against us. And in the middle of that, you're saying, don't be afraid. In the middle of this context, Jesus introduces for the very first time to the 12, a teaching he's going to come back to over and over again, all throughout the Gospels. And once you see it, you can't miss it. It's Kind of like, where's Waldo? You read the Gospels now, you'll see this every time. And the good news is, the Gospels didn't, the the disciples didn't fully grasp this teaching immediately. They weren't just sitting there and go, huh, okay, I can do that. Got it. Wrote it down. Got it, Jesus. What's next? Anything else? Don't be afraid. You know, Peter wasn't sitting in the back and didn't take out this little band of leather and some stamps and go, WWJD. Make his little bracelet. That wasn't where that was created. You know? Jesus wouldn't be afraid. I won't be He didn't take out a bracelet and make no fear. You know? That wasn't where that was created either. Sounded better in my head. Um, they struggled with this. Two dozen times in Scripture, Jesus goes on to tell them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I think Jesus could see it because he goes on to say, aren't two sparrows, two sparrows, Worthless birds. No economic value in Jesus' day. Two sparrows. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? The lowest value coin in the Roman economy. Same thing today, right? How many times do you walk by a penny and you don't even pick it up? I mean, of course, unless it's heads up and then that's good luck, right? Two sparrows... Are so worthless they're sold for a penny, which is a worthless coin practically, and yet not one of them falls to the ground outside your father's care. Even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. That's how much God cares for you. So don't be afraid. But Jesus, you just said we're going to be arrested. I know. Jesus, you just said we're going to be beat. I know. Jesus, you just... I know. I know. Don't be afraid. Because you're worth more than many sparrows. Last week we talked about the fact that God has us all on this spiritual journey. He's taking us from here, wherever we started, to there. And there is always someplace good. It's one of the promises of Scripture that runs from Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. In Matthew 10, Jesus is teaching us as He teaches the disciples that God wants to take us to a place in our faith in Him that is so big, so strong, where we feel so secure in our Father's love that even in the middle of circumstances, even when those circumstances are horrible, even when it may appear that God has forgotten us, we can hear Him whisper, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. And we trust Him. When we reach that point, how does that impact our lives? How would it change the decisions we make every single day? How would being there change that appearance in court you have tomorrow? How would it change how you deal with that boss who constantly asks you to do things that are inappropriate or, unlegal or illegal? How would it change that family struggle that you've got? How would it change us if we were absolutely confident that God is protecting our soul and we had no fear for what anyone could do to us in this life? If we had that kind of bravery, that kind of courage, that kind of faith, what would we do? Jesus says, I want you to follow me. Because when you follow me, one passage of Scripture, one decision, one day at a time, I'm going to take you there. Not to a place of denial, not to a place where our lives are perfect and there aren't any problems or struggles, not to a place where we figure out this magic code in Christianity and we can get God to do everything that we want Him to do. That doesn't exist. Jesus says, I'm going to take you to a place where your faith is so confident that in the middle of circumstances that should terrify you, in the middle of circumstances where everyone else is afraid, you have courage because you trust God. Jesus said, follow me. And I'll teach you not to be afraid when it seems like there's a lot to fear. Follow me. Ever met anybody like that? With that kind of faith? That kind of bravery? They are simply amazing people. The world around them can be falling apart. Their attitude? Eh, Let's just wait and see. Let's see what God's up to in this situation. You look at them and go, What? Hey, this didn't surprise God. He knew it was going to happen. We just have to trust Him and see what happens. I'll be honest. When I first met people like that, I was tempted to think they were just in denial. I was tempted to think that they were doing this whole thing to manage their pain. Tempted to think they'd taken something, you know? Or maybe they should take something. Maybe they they just weren't as smart as I was. Maybe they're just naive about life. Then you dig a little deeper. You get to know them. You find out that's not it at all. We're just wrong about them. This is how they live their life. They have that much confidence in God. All of a sudden, we flip and go, they're not in denial. That's faith. I want what they have. I want that bravery. I want that courage. I want to trust God that much. Jesus says, You want that? Follow me. One step, one verse. One day at a time. Because that's where I want to take you. I want to take you to a place where when you hear me whisper, don't be afraid, you're not afraid. And the journey from here to there begins by simply trusting Him. Because there is a place where fear is overwhelmed by our fear. Fear is blown out of the water. That's where Jesus wants to lead us. The one person, I think, in the New Testament who knew the most about there was Paul. Paul experienced more difficult things in his life than you and I will ever experience. I pray that's true. He followed Jesus to the best of his ability, and from that experience, he writes these words in Romans 8. He says, And we know... Wait a minute. Don't you mean we hope, Paul? Hmm. Don't you mean we believe? No. Based on his experiences, Paul could say, We know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to to his purpose. Paul would seen a lot in his life. And he'd grown enough in his trust in God to where his faith overwhelmed a lot of his fears. He goes on in the same chapter to say, you know, what is there in this world really, really, that can separate us from our love for God and his love for us? Trouble? Hardship? No. Persecution, famine, nakedness, sword, no. Let me add some things. How about joblessness? Can that separate us from God's love? Prodigal children, diminishing health, unfaithful spouses, dishonest bosses, Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton in the White House? Immigration issues. ISIS in the Middle East. Can that separate us from God's love? Absolutely not. See, here's the truth. A lot of us are just simply a mess over what's going on in this world and our lives and the what-ifs of what could impact us by what's going on in this world. We are scared to death. And I think Jesus looks down at us from heaven and just goes, really? Really? But Jesus, don't you see this? Don't you understand? Really? I'm still Jesus. Don't be afraid. I want to take you on a journey, Jesus says, from here to there. And there's no formula given in this passage or anywhere in Scripture. There's no five steps for overcoming fear. Jesus just says, follow me. And don't be afraid. Start here, wherever here is. And it's okay. Wherever you are, it's okay. We're all this jumbled up mess of fear and worry and concern. I am. And I'll bet you are too. So start here. And let's go there. Let's go to a place where Jesus' love can remove all of our fear. Because over a lifetime in that journey, Jesus fills us with love and bravery. And he helps us get free from those fears as we make our journey from here to there. Not through a formula, but through his promise to walk with us every step of the way. And that's way better than a formula. His promise to walk with us and help us figure it out. And I promise you, I promise you this. You'll spend half as much energy walking with Jesus, following Jesus. As you invest in your fears, then you'll become brave. And the source of our bravery will be the absolute confidence in the one who holds the destiny of our souls. And we will not, we will not be one passage you want to look at this week in your struggle with fear. Paul goes on in Romans 8 and points to this one moment in history I think where God had to make the decision as to whether or not he would send Jesus to be the sacrifice for our sins. And Paul says if in that moment God did not withhold his son, but willingly gave him up for us. Don't you think God will walk with us, be with us, help us in all things in our lives?